Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Deep Three podcast. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of having on uh, Cody Henson. He's the director and head coach at Elevation Prep. Uh, it's a new prep school up in Indiana. Hello, Cody. How we doing? Good, good, man. So let's start with uh, what is Elevation Prep? I know you just started this. This is your uh, baby in some ways. Uh, so, uh, so what is Elevation Prep? Uh, it's a prep high school and a postgraduate academy. Uh, located in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is about an hour 15 or so from uh, north of Indianapolis. Nice, nice. I know you guys have a partnership, right, with a private uh, high school, right, where they supply your all your school stuff, right? Yeah, so we partner with Lakewood uh, Christian Academy, um, which is located in the Fort Wayne greater area. Um, they do all their classes through their virtual school, um, and we also have academic advisors and tutors that sit within the classrooms with the guys daily and help them with all coursework. Nice. Yeah, that's that's one thing, you know, when you and I talked about, I liked how, you know, the focus is, is on basketball in some ways, but it's also on the school, you know, for, for kids to, to graduate. And because I know so many stories about prep schools and when kids, you know, they finish up, they graduate and like, oh, man, you're not cleared. And I know you take right. that stuff seriously. So uh, that that's really good. I mean, they need to take it. Yeah, we just wanted to, we just wanted to create like a coursework that was very similar to a college setting. Um, you know, most kids around the country and around the world, they typically go to school for about eight hours. Um, and half of those hours, you know, are typically with extracurricular classes like band, choir, art, um, PE, classes where, you know, these high level athletes are not going to be trying to pursue to be a band director or <laughs> some type of artist or something. So we've, we, we sat down as a staff and was like, how can we make this the best academic experience? but also have the athletic experience tied in with it to maximize our hours to the best of our ability. So, you know, we, we, we sat down and looked at the NCAA requirements and said, look, we're only going to be doing the classes that they have to take that are required by the NCAA. And we're not going to be trying to do all these extra classes and take those hours and be able to utilize it on the court with skill development, uh, weight training, and then obviously practice. Nice. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's especially the, the type of kids you, you try and get there. And I know you signed a, a really good player right now. And uh, th those guys, they need, you know, that, like like you said, you know, whatever they need to get into college. And of course, that's a, that's going to be a whole different ballgame when they get to, to college as far as, you know, whatever they want to do there. But, um, you know, they need the extra work on the on the, on the floor. And uh, it sounds good to me. I mean, uh, you do have uh, from what we talked again, you do have an experience of developing players, right? So uh, we talked about, uh, you know, the Kidea career for Romania right now. And uh, you're mm -hmm. telling me how you have the experience of developing bigs. And I mean, your AAU background, you know, you're coaching the Indy Heat. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, that, that, that talks a ton about it. Uh, I don't know if a lot of European, uh, you know, scouts or GMs yeah. know exactly what, uh, you know, what the Indy Heat does. But we we're just talking about that, how, how it's a, it's a good program. Yeah, I mean, we've had great successful players in general, but specifically in regards to, like, big men, you know, we've had Greg Oden, um, you know, Trace Jackson, which is at IU right now, Keon Brooks is at Kentucky, um, Xavier Tillman is at Michigan State, Marcus Bingham that's at Michigan State, um, Biggie Swanson that went to Purdue is playing the NBA right now. Um, so we've had, uh, especially from the big men spots, um, a very successful group of guys, you know, from the guard spot, we've had, you know, Jeff Teague, um, we've had Marcus, uh, Michael Connolly, 
um, you know, several different guys. Greg right there, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, some people say we're arguably one of the best eight teams of all time when they had Mike Connolly, you know, Daquan Cook, um, Greg Oden. Um, you know, I had a couple other guys play with that team. Um, I think Josh McRoberts was on that for a little bit too. So, I mean, they had like six guys that ended up going and playing in the NBA. So, yeah, um, I did a really good job with our program. Three, four years, I played Daquan Cook twice in Israel right now. I mean, he can still light it up, you know. So I can imagine with yeah. uh, him next to Colleen Oden right there. I mean, that's <laughs> – you really yeah, want to help off him? floor for him. <laughs> you know, yeah, so. I mean, you got a guy like uh, Connolly that can basically break anybody down. And then, um, you know, if you help up too much or anything like that, you got Oden for the lob. And um, then you got, you know, put Daquan on the side of Oden. And it's like, hey, you can't help – which one do you help off on? That's so. crazy. <laughs> that's crazy think about yeah, it, it was them in high school you know seniors I remember because they're like somewhat close in age to me so I just remember them being just beasts yeah one of the best games uh, as far as high school I've ever seen was um when uh, Mike Connolly and, and Greg both played against Eric Gordon and obviously the teams were not as even but it was just like I honestly in all my years of watching like high school basketball that team with Connolly and Odin easily as a top five high school team of all time, just their dominance. I mean, I, no team really could just ever compete with them. And, and especially Oden, you know, I've always said, my personal opinion, Oden could have possibly been a top 10, top 15 big man of all time if he would have never got hurt. Um, he just had the correct intangibles. He had the size. I mean, he was a, a phenomenal defensive guy, um, great hands. And it's just unfortunate, you know, a guy like him and Brandon Roy and, you know, guys like that, it just, they just, uh, their careers were, were cut short. Yeah, I mean, cut short, just affected by it. I know, you know, Greg Oden, just from Ohio State, from right off the bat, you know, I just remember he shooting free throws left. You know, I was like, man, this guy just, yeah. like, I was like, he just really wants to play. I mean, how many guys now, right. you know, they're like one and done or like they they have their status, they go in, they're like, yeah, hey, now I'm chilling, I'm done. Like, let me, let me yeah. save myself. And he just wants to play, you know, he's clear that he just loved to get, he loved the game. But going back yeah. to high school, I mean, for me, it was the math. I would go, you know, I was at uh, St. John's in D.C. and we had the math, and every year the math was just stacked, right? I mean, Coach Jones right there, you know, he runs the USA basketball. Uh, right. He was the head coach for under-18 uh, World Cup team. I mean, every year. It, it, it wasn't like whatever's in the DMV. I mean, you get the top, top players every year. It was, it was just unbelievable, the basketball they played. And, uh, to yeah. see them now, you know, almost 10 years later, just still at that level. And I feel like they're always going to be at a level. Um, but, yeah, it's it's great. But it doesn't compare to Indiana basketball as far as high school goes. And I've heard stories about it. Yeah. I, I heard I, – I've seen it on tape. You know, I mean, we play with 1,000 people, <laughs> maybe 2,000 people. We pack some yeah. gyms. But when it comes to Indiana basketball, I heard it's just different. Yeah, I mean – you know, specifically uh, when I played, um, you know, my junior year, we ended up going to the Final Four. Um, that year we ended up losing to Zach Randolph's high school, which was Marion High School. Um, they had Julius Mays who went to Kentucky. Scott, uh, they had Scott Wood who went to NC State. Um, two of the best – I mean, Scott Wood at that time was probably arguably the best shooter in the country in his class. Well, I'm playing Europe shooting, we can light it up. <laughs> he was shooting something crazy, I think, his senior year of like 52 or 53% from the three-point line. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And um, if we would have won that game, I would have ended up playing Gordon Hayward in the state championship. But I remember that run that year 
you know, from the sectional, which in Indiana, like that's our first round or some, some states it's called the district. Um, we had in our championship game, you know, we, we, we had close to 3000. Um, then we moved on to regional and played in the regional championship against, uh, uh, Angel Garcia, who ended up playing for Calipari at Memphis, um, and Etowah Moore's high school, um, East Chicago Central, and we played in a packed gym of like 8,500, um, the loudest gym, you know, high school and college, you know, and I played at some big time college gyms, and I was like, you know, I had to, I had to really, really focus on my point guard calling plays out and stuff because you just couldn't hear yourself the entire game, but it was an awesome atmosphere because. Um, you just felt so involved in the game. Like every bucket was just so crucial that, you know, you couldn't take any plays off because, you know, you had 8,500 sets of eyes that are just watching. And then we moved on to semi-state and it was a similar situation where we played it in front of about the same amount of people. And, and uh, you know, if you got the opportunity to play at state at the Pacers stadium, you're playing in front of, you know, 20,000 plus people. And people don't realize that, you're not getting that at in any other state where you're getting 20,000 plus people, you know, for a game. And, you know, you go back to the the days when they had like um, Steve Alford and all them, and they were playing in, in the, in the dome down there, the RCA dome. And it was like 40,000 people, the largest high school game ever. People were like, man, that's not true. And it's funny because, you know, I'll sit down with kids that have, no clue whether they're even from the U S or if they're an international kid. And I'm like, you ever heard of Indiana basketball? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I've heard a little bit about it. I was like, hold on a second. And I'll Google a picture of like Newcastle gym, which is the largest high school gym in the, in the country. And they're like, coach, that's a high school gym. That's not a college <laughs> gym. And I'm like, no, that's a high school gym. And it's like that quite often too. And they're like, that's nuts. Bang it. <laughs> I'm like, you know, that's, that's just, you know, like, you know, I, I remember a couple of years ago when Romeo Langford was, was in high school and every game that he was playing, People were in line three, four, five hours um, just to get a ticket to get into the game to just to see him. And it's just so much pride that we take in our basketball. Um, you know, especially in the small rural towns, it's like a Friday night, the whole town's shutting down and everybody's going to the game. And that's kind of like the hangout spot for Friday night. And, and it's just become a, a great tradition within our state. Um, and then you look at all the guys who have developed and come out of this great state as far as going on and playing at the next level of college and NBA. And it's like, you got guys like Oscar Robinson and Larry Bird. And, you know, it's like you go on down the list and it's like, man, you never really sit down and think about all these guys that have really come through Indiana high school basketball um, that have developed and went on to play at the next level. And it's just amazing to see um, you can walk into any gym and you could potentially be seeing a guy that's going to be playing on TV. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 different from what, like I told you, I, I didn't know, honestly, just coming from Europe, I had no idea. And I don't think I learned until like later on, um, even when I was getting recruited, you know, just uh, Butler kind of became a huge thing, like my junior, senior year, right? He took off with, with Gordon Hayward and Shelvin Mack. And uh, until then, you were like, okay, you just knew Indiana, you knew some of the teams and it's like, okay. But uh, when you start digging deep, like you said, it's just uh, just the crowds. To me, that's that's just like in the movies for us, you know, in Europe. It's like, yeah, man, it's just in the movies. It's like what you just said. It's not right. So like worldwide, people got like realize it that 
just the love for the game, you know, like you said, the whole town yeah. shutting down. And it's, it's very different because right now we're talking about some crowds in Europe and some teams in Europe that don't get that attention. Uh, we're talking about pros right now, right? So it's just, mm-hmm. uh, it, I mean, it's totally different. So now let's go to this, uh, the basketball side of things at Elevation Prep. Uh, what's your, uh, I, I know you want to play a really tough schedule. What are your goals for the first year? You know, as a first year program, uh, what are your goals? Yeah, I mean, I just want to build a program that's going to, you know, put our name on the map and, and people are going to respect us um, from a competitive standpoint. And then at the same time, I want to uh, create a school that is going to have a reputation of, of developing guys and helping guys get to the next level um, and actually, uh, you know, making a name for themselves at the next level as well. Um, you know, I always preach to all my guys. I'm big on relationships. Um, you know, I want to, for you to be able to call me in 10, 15 years and tell me, hey, coach, you know, I'm getting married. So, uh, you know, those things mean a, a much of an importance for me. And I don't want to try to create that culture within my staff um, and my players. And we just want to, you know, just create an environment where the guys feel welcome, um, that we're not car salesmen. Like I always kind of say that sometimes as coaches, we kind of feel like, uh, we want to feel like everything is a, a is a comfortable situation. It's genuine. Um, we're here to care about you, and um, you know we want to have that relationship for, for for many many years. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know you talked about developing players, and you need the infrastructure to do that. And you know you told me some uh, some really cool stuff that you guys have access to that even uh, some of the NBA teams don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the uh, the products that we have and, and, and the weight room facility and then also uh, – sorry, I have to grab my charger here. You know, my phone was about to die. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of the facilities that we have, um, you know, like our practice facility is like eight courts. Um, you know, our home gym that we play at is a college gym. Um, it was the home site for the uh, four-way Madans, um, which is the G League affiliate for the Pacers. And uh, – so it sits about 13 or 1400 people in it. Um, and then uh, from the housing situation, you know, the guys are living in a half a million dollar home, um, fully furnished, um, got all the utensils to cook and, and TVs in every room and all that good stuff. And um, it's just, we wanted to, uh, we wanted to create an environment where, um, you know, the guys are gonna have the best experience possible. Um, you know, we didn't want any guys walking away from the program and saying, you know, this could have been better. This could have been better. Um, yeah, we're going to have a learning curve, you know, especially in year one. Um, you know, I've been in this realm and I've saw the good and I've saw the ugly. Um, so, you know, we try to build upon that and try to maintain an environment that guys really want to be conducive to learning, um, on and off the court. And, um, like I said, just, just giving the guys the best experience possible that when they walk away, um, you know, they're happy with their decision that they came to elevation prep. And then along that, I always tell my guys, you guys are the best recruiters. So, you know, if I got a kid down the line, um, you know, I want that kid to be able to go to one of my former players and ask him, Hey, how was your experience over there? You know, I did that similar situation uh, last night, um, spoke with a recruit. Um, one of my kids who uh, is currently a freshman and wrapping up his freshman season at Dayton. Um, they're from the same country. And I said, hey, um, I'm going to hook you up with my guy, um, give him a call, talk to him, ask him questions about me as a coach, 
You know, he's probably going to tell you I'm a little bit crazy. Um, but at the same time, I love and I care about him. So uh, just ask all the questions and, and you know, I'm going to get back to you today. And I got back to him today. He's like, coach, it was a great experience. You know, obviously, um, Fort Wayne to Dayton is very, very close. So, you know, they're, they're from the same country. So it's nice, especially, you know, coming from a different country to have somebody in your backyard um, that is you're familiar with, speak the same language, same culture. So um, that's just kind of, you know, overall perspective from our, our resources that we have. Um, are, are we're definitely trying to be top of the line. Yeah, I mean, your experience coaching, though, it doesn't really, like you said, year one, it can be a learning curve, but I feel like in many aspects, your experience so far is really going to make that transition smooth uh, because you, you know what you're going to do. You know exactly how you want to run things. And uh, I think you guys are certainly ready for it. Um, I mean, just from, from what we've talked and from what you're talking about. Uh, so you guys, you guys uh, staying in one house, right? And you're going to have two teams. Uh, one's going to be a post yeah, well, be high school team. Yeah, one yeah. high school team, prep high school team, one uh, which will be the national team, and then we'll have uh, one post-grad team. And then eventually, uh, hopefully next year, what we'll do is we'll eventually move to a couple post-grad teams. Um, and then, you know, we may pursue a women's program or something. You know, we, we haven't decided yet, but we definitely want to make our mark on the guy's side, especially with the, the high school team and the post-grad team year one. Gotcha. Yeah, well, there's not many uh, schools like this in Indiana, right? Is you you would be like the second prep type school, right, in Indiana? Yeah, there's only uh, one prep high school, which is Wildermere, and then there's only uh, two other post grad programs in the entire state as well. Okay, so you open a lot of doors, I think, and that's that's also that's awesome. So, what's your plan as far as uh, you know practicing? You said the guy's going to be in school what three, four, five hours a day. Um, mm -hmm. So, so what do you want to do with them daily as far as, you know, their practicing uh, habits and what do you want to do, you know, to help them out uh, to improve as players? Yeah, a typical day schedule for, for both teams um, is I do the athletic side in the morning and I do the academics in the afternoon. Um, I just feel, and people can be biased on the situation, but I feel in my personal opinion that me as an educator and me as a person that was in the school system learning, I did better when um, it was a afternoon class than it was an 8 a.m. class. So, you know, I want to do the athletic side first, get the guys up, moving, get their brain moving um, so that, you know, when we, we knock out the classroom session in the afternoon, um, they'll be a little bit more conscious and aware of what's going on. So a typical daily schedule will the, uh, you know, we'll get on the court about eight. Um, we'll do an hour or so of skill development, um, give them, you know, a 15, 20 minute break. Then we'll hop into practice for a couple hours. Um, then it'll be lunch. Then we'll do weights um, and then a break. And then we'll come back and we'll do another 45 to an hour, 15 minute session of uh, skill development. Um, and then they'll go home, they'll shower, um, and then they'll eat dinner and then we'll go right in the classroom. Um, so, you know, they're going to be going from about, eight to eight, eight to nine every day um, with some breaks here and there. But um, it's going to be a grind. It's going to be a business. But uh, the reason I do it this way and to have this set up this way with our staff um, and I've learned throughout the years is we try to do everything to implement to be as close as possible of a college setting so that when they hit the ground running as a freshman, um, you know, they're not, they're not behind. Um, they don't feel like they're overwhelmed and calling mom and dad after, you know, two weeks and saying, 
this is just too much. I don't know how to handle this and asking a million questions. And, Which happens so, a lot. But nowadays yeah. it happens a lot. Nowadays, like, oh, yeah. all this stuff, I'm transferring. And, you yeah, know, I can't, yeah. you know, I can't say too much about trans because I transfer, but I transfer for a different reason. Mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, because I want to be the best player possible. And I felt like I wasn't developing enough, uh, just my own skill set. Uh, and I wasn't getting that role that can get me, you know, uh, the money that I want overseas and get much out of the NBA. So it was just a different type of thing because I wasn't, I, I didn't mind, you know, when I got to Mason Larnago was, you know, 6 a.m. weights. So you're up at like 5.30, go straight away to, you know, like just sleepwalking. Uh, right. You know, then you got some shooting individuals, stuff like that in the afternoon. Uh, now it's during the summer and some class in the middle. So I totally understand it. You know, you, they, they can't get better. And especially you're talking about seniors, right, and post-grad that really need, need, need the college. Okay, your, your senior is probably going to be, um, you know, top-notch and they're going to have offers and they do have offers already. So you don't, you know. But in the same time, they got to get better. And the postgrads, you know, they're looking for, for offers, for good, good big-time offers. So you got to put the work in. You can't be, you know, it's, it's uh, to me, just a, a no-brainer. But I really like that. I really like how you kind of get them up in the gym early, you know, because, uh, mm -hmm. like you said, you know, just to come back from class after six, eight, seven hours of class, it's, it's tough. At, like, 2 o'clock, to be like, okay, now I got practice. And you can barely squeeze one practice out of them, let alone two or three, you know. So, right. Understandable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, we just want to utilize our time to the best of our ability and be able to give the guys uh, enough access to um, be on the court and, um, you know, uh, be able to get all the skill development possible that they can. So when they walk away from the program, they can say, hey, you know, we didn't do this. We didn't do that. We didn't have enough time to have access to the court. We don't want any of those issues to be a problem. Got you. Now for the last part, if you don't mind, can we touch on the AAU side of things with uh, the Indy Heat? Because, um, okay, so in Europe, a lot of, uh, I'll say a lot of basketball world, you know, they think badly of the AAU. And uh, for me, it can be a win-win or, you know, it can be a lose situation if you're in the wrong program. And mm -hmm. I think that's what people need to understand, that if you're in the right program, uh, you can develop, you know, they take things seriously where it's not like just uh, – we're going to rotate players. We're not going to practice. We're just going to show up to games. Uh, so can you talk about your experience with the Indy Heat? You know, you've, you've been with them for a while. And we talked prior to recording this about, uh, you know, the stuff that you guys were doing as far as practicing, you know, before showing up tournaments and all that. Yeah, yeah. No, Indy Heat's a very uh, professional organization. Um, we take uh, the basketball aspect and academic <laughs> aspect very seriously. Um, you know, we really want to set these guys up for success. We just don't want to just have a team and create a, a playing level where they can just play games and be seen. You know, we, we do a lot of aspects off the court, too, as far as, you know, um, sitting down, bringing guidance counselors in, talking to them about the NCAA, um, bringing in social media people to talk to them about, hey, what you should post, what you shouldn't post, what you should like, what you shouldn't like. Um, you know, we, we sit down and we, we do mock interviews with them. So uh, they're very comfortable when they get in front of a camera or a news reporter. Um, that they don't fumble over their answers and they seem professional. So there's a lot of aspects like that that we sit on and we do. Um, you know, we hang out a lot. We try to do team bonding events. So it's not just showing up on a Friday through a Sunday um, every couple weekends. And that's the only time that you see your teammates. Um, but from a basketball standpoint, um, you know, the guys that's on the staffs who coach, you know, the 15s, 16s, and the 17s on both the EYBL side and then what we call 
the red side, which is kind of like our second team. Um, they are all guys who coach at major um, high school programs. Some guys that were even coaching at the college level. Um, so, you know, we try to instill guys who know the game at a very, very high level and try to give back to the kids from that aspect. And then playing on the Nike YBO circuit, um, there's no other comparison to any other shoe company. Um, it's just like we always say, and we kind of joke around, but it's very serious at the same time. It's the closest thing to division one basketball that you'll be able to play. I mean, if you go down the line and you look at the NBA draft, I mean, it's over, you know, 75% of the guys that are being drafted in the first round are coming from the Nike UIBL circuit. And, uh, you know, we go to the events, and especially when you have uh, an event like Peach Jam, which is kind of like the national tournament, so to say, where they take the, the top 16 teams and you go down there and you're playing in this packed rec center, um, and it's full of every college coach in the country that you see. Um, you know, I know my first year that I was a part of it, um, I was an assistant coach on the 16s level, and uh, it was actually the year we made it to the Final Four. And um, we had a, a couple little breaks here or there. One of our, our starting power forwards, father, got sick. He didn't hop on the plane with us. He didn't even come down to Peach Jam with us. And then um, uh, one of our best guys, who was our best scorer at the time, who was at Purdue, Isaiah Thompson, um, he ended up getting kneed in his thigh and got a blood clot in like the elite eight game and didn't even get to play the rest of the league game, eight game and didn't get to play in the league or the final four. And uh, we still ended up only losing in the final four by, by three points. But the crazy experience about all that was two things. Number one, you know, um, not even 10 steps to my right in our pool, we had Chris Paul, um, AU organization, and he's standing right there and we're, we're coaching against each other and like yelling at each other. And it's a crazy experience. And then, um, also in our pool was Bradley Beal, uh, his organization, and he was sitting on the bench and he was coaching as well. So, um, you know, there's several organizations throughout the country, like Team Griffin, and which is Blake Griffin's team, and then Team Mellow, which is obviously Mellow, and, and Rodney Hood has a team. And, and there's just countless NBA guys that have a team and the experience where you're able to walk in an environment like that and be able to see Shaquille O'Neal, Scottie Pippen, um, you know, all these guys, Kenya Martin, I mean, you know, it's an, just an experience that you just wouldn't typically get at a normal AAU event or um, just a, a tournament or so to say. They do a really good job of trying to make it so professional um, and an experience that is just like none other. And the, the level of competition, um, every time you step foot on the court, um, you can have a team that's got four or five guys that are ranked in the top 100. And I don't know too many other places outside of the prep realm that you're going to be able to experience the level of competition like that until you get to the college level. So it definitely sets the guys up for success um, from off the court stuff. And then from on the court, from the level of competition, um, you know, we do mini camps to start out the season. So we usually do like a, a two day mini camp, Saturday, Sunday, um, where we're having about four or five practices on that weekend. And we usually do that about two or three times before, before we start playing. So it's not the old typical stereotype of uh, put a team together, roll out the ball and, hope for the best it's uh you know we're preparing the guys with skill development and then obviously instilling our philosophies and, and and our x's and o's with the guys as well that's awesome stuff right there i, I still remember when i was in uh, high school and i got called after my sophomore year was at the jamboree the nike jamboree uh camp and it was in st louis and i go get my gear and it's like i turn around it's like mj and his son right 
So like I go walk right. around, like I turn around, and I'm like, oh, that, that 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 was Jordan, that was the Michael Jordan. I'm like, let me turn around. So and right. I can imagine, you know, when when uh, um, you know, you talk about all these uh, NBA guys coming back and just just the feeling that these kids have, you know, just uh, uh, playing against the Chris Paul team, you know, and just seeing Chris Paul right there. I mean, it just takes it, it takes your game to another level. Uh, whether you want it or not, it's, it's going to push you. You know, it's going to push everybody next to you. So you're going to have to push yourself, and you're going to get better. And that's uh, some awesome stuff right there. And how about last thing I want to talk to you about? How about a style of play? Uh, what kind of style of play you want to use at Elevation Prep? Um, yeah, our our style of play is very very fun, and it's inducive to what the guys want to be a part of, and it sets them up for success for the next level. Um, I kind of use if I got to use a program. Uh, it's kind of like Villanova, um, a lot of dribble drive, but at the same time, it's a lot of pin downs, a lot of flare screens, and it's constant moving. Um, you'll hear me all the time when I'm barking out stuff during practice that, hey, if you can't make a, a play in two to three dribbles, get the ball out of your hands and give it up. Um, because when you get to the next level, especially, that's a turnover. And um, not only that, when guys are making moves, I want constant moving on the opposite side of the floor. So um, at all times, you'll see our offense, it's just, it, it looks chaotic, but at the same time, there's so much structure because we're constantly moving and making the defense have to adjust so much versus a lot of the offense where it's one-on-one -on -one and, you know, the other four guys are kind of just spread out and hoping that if he gets broken down that I, you know, I'm spotted up and maybe my guy will go help and I'll get a wide open shot. With us, it's like, hey, you know, we got the ball on the left wing. The right wing is setting a flare screen or a pin down to get constant moving. And he's slipping to the basket, cutting through getting another pin down from the other corner. And it's just a free-flowing offense to where the guys have uh, freedom within it, but at the same time, they have structure. They know where to be. Um, you know, so we want – we don't want that that old-school style of, hey, you're the one, you're the two, you're the three, you're the four, you're the five. It's, hey, my one through four is going to be very dynamic. Um, you know, one time you may bring the ball to court, the next time I may bring the ball to court. It doesn't matter. We don't have what you would say a typical point guard position um, because as soon as he crosses half court and he gets the ball out of his hands, the offense moving and, and, and we're moving in general. So those four guys got to be very dynamic. You got to be able to put the ball on the floor and obviously shoot the ball at a high rate because that's the way the game is now. It's no more, um, you know, as they say, the, the mid-range is the lost art. Um, you got to be able to either dunk or you got to be able to shoot a three. Um, <laughs> You know, and we try to cheat the other dynamics, too. You know, we're not trying to let the mid-range become a lost art, but um, we like a lot of spacing um, for the guys to be dynamic and break guys down, but at the same time, we're still getting that movement. And then at my five-man spot, if you want to call it a five-man spot, um, we want that European-style big man that's very dynamic, um, can do a little bit of everything from pick and roll to pick and pop, can put the ball on the floor, um, has high IQ, can be able to pass at a high rate. Um, so, you know, we, we, we look at those intangibles, especially when we're in the recruiting phase of trying to find guys, you know, we're at the, the prep school level, but at the same time, um, you know, we're, we're kind of like a college as well as when we're sitting down and we're recruiting and looking for guys to fit that system too. Yeah, I mean, you're a high level, uh, you're a high level team, so I think that's, that, that's normal. Uh, but what I really liked what you said there is that, um, you know, you're going to use all guys on the floor, you know, it's going to be, and I have my top prospect, and he's going to go score 40 tonight. And, uh, you know, we'll be all right. <laughs> uh, we'll be good enough. And I think a lot of a lot of programs I've, I've seen that do that, you know, it's like, hey, we have this really good power five kid. 
you know, he's top 150, top 100 nation, and uh, he, he'll take care of it. He'll do everything. And I think that's, uh, you know, you can't have success. You know, you can't have limited success uh, with that kind of offense. And, I mean, it was good. It was really good to hear what you, what you were saying because uh, just to that offense, I think any kid has an opportunity to shine. Uh, you know, I don't think personally as a, as a scorer, you know, I uh, I don't think the offense should be like, um, you know, should be geared towards one uh, one player. But it's, at the same time, basketball is not equal opportunity sport, you know. So if you have a better shooter, he's going to take more shots. Uh, but there's a way yeah. uh, to involve everybody when he does take, you know, 12 shots, 15 shots, 10 shots, whatever it is. There's ways to involve everybody else. And they're not just standing and watching because that's going to make it more, uh, just harder for everybody. That was awesome. Yeah, we were just – we want the – you know, from the development standpoint, like you said, we don't want got one guy taking 30 shots and then everybody else is taking two or three. Um, because at the same time, that translates to the effort level um, of the guys. They're going to look at it and say, man, I'm not touching the ball, so why do I need to sit here and keep doing all this work? You know, especially as a big man. I, know, I remember, you know, I was a very – I was a defensive-minded person, so offense really wasn't a big deal with me. But if I didn't touch the basketball to where I could make an opportunity for somebody else, I was just like looking at my point guard and I was like, look, why am I running up and out on the court and keep rebounding for you and blocking shots and, and helping you when you get broken down? But then you want to sit here and you want to jack up 30 shots. I was like, I'm getting tired of doing this. And I always told myself when I got to the coaching phase that I was always going to make sure um, that I tried to create a realm where it was very um, level, even playing field for everyone. Everyone got a chance to shine um, because, you know, what, what happens when you go up against the top five team in the country and they have a high-level um, Division One kid who can defend at a high rate and he takes away your number one option, now the other four guys don't know what to do because they're not used to having that ball in their hands. So if you have that constant moving and constant flow of the offense and the ball's on a string and it's like pow, 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 everybody's touching the ball on one possession and, uh, you know, this possession you're going to shot, the next possession I'm getting shot, and it's all – they never know who to key on. And um, from the development standpoint, that translates better to the next level um, because you can't just have one guy if you expect to make the deep run into the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just look at, I mean, Golden State, uh, you know, Golden State-Houston. I mean, that's to me, that's the best comparison. Yeah, Houston was close, mm-hmm. but Golden State was – it was just so hard to beat when, like you said, it. you have so many guys that can score and you just move the ball. It's bound to be an open shot, you know. And uh, there's a lot of bigs, like you said – uh, to me, Draymond Green is one of those. I'm not his biggest fan, honestly, but uh, he's one of those that fits yeah. style of play and that, that team where he just, like like you said, you just want to get the ball and just move it. You just do something with it. It doesn't have to be scoring, but that gives him energy too, you know, just the extra pass, that, that assist every now and then gives him energy, you know. So uh, yeah. that's that's huge, uh, you know, to get uh, maximum effort from all you've got, all you guys, not just from your, you know, top one, two, three options because uh, – you need them. You need them on the defensive end. You clearly need everybody. And uh, yeah. on the offense, you never know, you know, when they're going to get an open shot, they can go get offensive rebound. And uh, like you said, no no big is happy just uh, setting screen, rolling, and rebounding. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, not at all. But, you know, and, and from a coaching standpoint, I always use, like, the, the Clay Thompson game where he had, like, 60-something points and he only put the ball on the floor 13 times. And I'm like, look. Yeah, I know he's an NBA guy, and he definitely is one of the top shooters in all time. But if this guy is learning to be um, conducive to the offense, not being selfish and demanding the ball all the time, but he's playing his role, he's setting screens for other people. I mean, that's 
you know, we always talk about the mid-range as a lost art, but another uh, lost art is people don't understand the value of screening and getting yourself open. You know, we always heard for, for so many years, hey, the screener is the one that always gets open. But now I look at basketball these days and it's like, why do kids not want to screen? Are they afraid of contact? Are they afraid to, you know, get involved with that action? But it's like, you know, sitting down and really understanding the game. That's why I always teach my players because I learned it from my father was don't just sit down and just watch a basketball game. Watch your position, um, learn from them, see how you can grow and improve, see what they do throughout the plays. Don't just look at a game and see, you know, the, which is awesome, but don't just watch Steph Curry coming down and shooting half-court threes and, you know, the high flowers, high flyers, you know, doing the crazy dunks. It's like really sit down and start studying the game to see how, you know, this can translate to your game and how you can get better. And I think that's where you separate yourself from a, a good player to a great player nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I used to do that too, actually, in uh, in college, you know, when, when I transferred to America and they're like, okay, this is going to be your team. You're going to have to carry the load. And um, I sort of became from just a shooter to, to a really, you know, I, I took a lot of tape of Dirk and I was like, okay, how can I get my shots off? Uh, I'm not the most athletic, you know, how can I get my shots off the low post, you know? And then coach was like, well, I guess what? We're not going to just play pick and pop. We're going to run you off some ball, uh, some off ball screens, right? Uh, might be a pin down. It might be just a baseline stagger, uh, flare. So you got to get used to that. So then I took some tape of like uh, Peja Stajakovic, you know? So I was like, let me see Peja, you know, because he's like big, bigger, you know, like I'm six, six, nine, six, ten. So I was like, let me see a bigger guy just kind of mm -hmm. run off and how he runs. Because like you said, you can, I can watch clay, but it's going to be different just because um, our, our, our body uh, differences in height and stuff. Um, but to me, a lot of kids need to do that. Uh, unfortunately, let's watch a lot of James Harden now, I think. <laughs> yeah. Now it's like, who do you watch James Harden? Oh, my God. <laughs> He's great. I mean, I, yeah. I, actually, I don't mind watching him. It just – it can get frustrating when you see it triggered down, you know, because, like, oh, man, he put up six. Yeah, but, uh, but I always tell him all the time, there's a reason why there's only one James Harden. <laughs> Absolutely. So. And people don't realize how much he missed, though, like this season. And – I don't think a lot of players can really take that on their shoulders. Like a lot of players will probably break down when you're like five for 65 from three. I think it was like something like 10% yeah. from three or something like that at some point in the season. And I'm like, you don't understand that at that level, uh, you know, even European basketball, overseas basketball in general, it takes a toll when you're like five for 65. And guess what? I mean, I'm pretty sure, you know, PJ Tucker and all those guys are cracking jokes about in the locker room. So it's yeah. a lot like it's, uh, you see, oh, he doesn't care. I'm like, no, he, he knows he's good enough. He's going to make a lot of shots. At some point, he's going to get hot. Uh, like yeah. Clay said, you know, he's like, I'm going to keep shooting because this is what I do. And uh, he's going to start falling, which is true. But mm -hmm. as a kid, you know, like high school kid or like a young freshman in college, you got to realize that. You know, you're going to get a lot of heat if you're going to be, like, 5 or 40 from 3. And then, all right, <laughs> it's, it's not going to yeah. be easy. Well, I tell kids all the time, you know, yeah, if if you want to be in a position to be a high-volume shooter, you better be putting in a lot of practice time. <laughs> you know, I don't want you you coming in one day a week and putting up, you know, three or four shots and then walking out of the gym and then being like, yo, coach, like, this is my game. This is what I do. And it's like, <laughs> no. I'm like, James Harden, they're putting up, you know, 1,500 shots a day. And there's a reason why, you know, they're allowed to have that extra green light, so to say. Um, you, on the other hand, you got the extra red light. So you need to chill out shooting all them shots. <laughs> extra red light. Do you have any drills that you do for them? Because I know coaches that uh, – uh, I, was, I was watching the um, 
Oregon uh, women's basketball team, they have like a red light, green light type thing where you got to make a certain number of shots and a certain number of minutes. So they allowed you to shoot threes. Do you have something like that or no? Mm-hmm. You know, I do a drill. It's called the Reggie Miller shooting drill. Um, it's where a guy starts at the top of the key. Um, he shoots a three. And every time he's running back to half court, um, now if he makes it, he runs back and he receives a pass at the three-point line. But if he misses it, as soon as he's touching half court, his teammates are are rolling the ball to him as hard as they can. He's got to pick it up and do two hard pound dribbles to the free throw line and pull up. And I've, I've noticed throughout doing that drill, and then we do it from the wings um, and, and from the corners, but I've noticed throughout that drill it just creates um, – a, a humbleness, so to say, with some of the guys. It's like, hey, you know, this 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 type of setting that we're we're creating, where it's you know back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and you're picking up the ball and you got a pound pound dribble, you know, and um, just making it you know conducive to what a game setting is. And they're like, coach, you know, getting a lot of shots up like that is really really hard. And I'm like, yeah, you're getting. Up. We do it for about a minute, um, so they're usually typically getting about twenty to twenty five threes. Um, if they're, if they're doing it fast and working hard. But, you know, they come back to it and it's like, hey, coach, I shot like four of 25. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's like the old, my, my, my college coach used to say all the time, he, he, would, uh, he would joke around with some of us bigs. And I'd be like, come on, coach, let me shoot a three, man. You know, you know I got a, a decent 12, 15-foot jump shot. And he's like, okay, come here. And then he would embarrass any person that thought that they could shoot. And he would say, start right here and shoot uh, 10 shots. You got to make eight out of 10. And then go to the next one. You got to make eight out of 10. And then go to, go to the three. And you got to make six out of 10. Go to the next three. Make six out of 10. And he's like, if you can't do that on a consistent basis, he's like, you're shooting layups. I don't, don't want to ever hear nothing else from you. <laughs> so um, I've kind of translated that over to my players now, too. Like, I, I don't try to embarrass them too much, but I'll pull them off to the side and, like, hey, I want to see you shoot this shot and make eight out of 10 and this shot six out of 10. And if you can do that, then we'll start running some some plays for you where you can come off some screens and, and pick and pop and shoot some threes. Nice. My favorite is like the Larry Bird drill. I do it, you know, a two-minute drill where you shoot five spots. Uh, I do it, you know, you got to make two in a row each spot. So those five spots, then you run the top of the key and then you shoot as many threes as possible. And yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, you know, you just want to beat your score every single time and uh, it pushes you to take game shots, you know, because everything timed and everything you got to, you know, Everything competitive, um, I think, is the is the best part about it. I think when I was younger, I was shooting a lot of, you know, I just I just needed reps. Uh, but as I got right. older, I was like, okay, I just need game reps and as many as possible, you know, you know, in a, in a shorter shorter type drills. So I went from like you know the fifteen hundred, and I would say a thousand shots a day in the summer. I went to like, okay, let me take two fifty, but it's gonna be you know really game like. Uh, right. I, I kind of stole that a few years ago from Kyle Korver when I started watching him when I was trying to, um, you know, as it became more and more of a stretch four, a typical European stretch four. And then I was like, okay, I need to to really be ready at all times. Uh, because like you said, it's different uh, when you don't touch the ball all the time. So I was kind of watching Kyle Korver. I was trying to read far and out of curls, like how he trains and all that crazy stuff. And then I saw the Steve Kerr stuff when he was like kind of reading the newspaper and he was like a coach's hand turn. I was like, okay, go. Like he was coming off the bench saying Antonio, he had to shoot. So his shooting drill was like li- literally reading the, the newspaper for like five minutes. Uh, and then the coach would be like, okay, go shoot now. And then go take one shot, come back and like read the newspaper. I, I, have, I was like, thank God, I, I didn't really come off the bench in my career. So I was like, I didn't want to do that. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Well, Cody, man, I really appreciate your time. And uh, I think you cleared a lot of stuff for any possible recruits from overseas or, you know, within the U.S. that, that watch this. And, uh, you know, I really wish you a lot of, uh, a lot of luck at Elevation Prep. And uh, I'll certainly follow, follow, follow what you guys do. Yeah, yeah. No, we definitely, um, you know, we want to bring in guys from all over the country. And I like it from the standpoint in all over the world where um, I like the camaraderie with the guys and learning from different cultures. You know, I didn't really get to experience that until I got to the prep room uh, where I could learn from all these different cultures and what they like to eat and what music they listen to and and uh, learn some different words and stuff like that, And which ended up helping me out because I know when I made some of my players mad during practice and they said a certain word, you know, I would catch them in the hand and I was like, hey, <laughs> I know what I want to chill out. And, and then they forgot that they told me a couple of weeks ago what that word meant. So, um, but it's just, you know, it's it's nice to have relationships like that. No matter what color you are, what race you are, what nationality you are, we're coming together for one mission and one goal in mind. And then, um, you know, the end result is to have a relationship that will last forever. And, um, you know, we, we're excited about our program. Um, you know, we're continuing to keep building in the right direction. Um, you know, we want to have good morals, good values, and uh, have good guys in our program that when they walk away from our program, they've left a mark. Um, on and off the court within our community and in the classroom. So, uh, yeah, we're really excited, and I appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Thank you, Cody.